Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Today, we're going to talk with Coach Harvey Hyde about the USC football program. Lots of questions to get to. We're going to talk about this team as the weeks are ticking away and we're getting ready for fall camp and, of course, the 2015 season. So we'd love to hear from you and we want to make an interactive show. We're going to get to all your questions. If you have any more questions, send them in podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address, or you can leave us a voicemail at 206-888-6755, or you go right to our website, peristylepodcast.com, and leave a voicemail right there. So I actually had someone write in about there was some issues with the voicemail line, so I'm going to check in on that and make sure that that's okay. But if you can't leave a voicemail, you go to the website, peristylepodcast.com. Should be able to take care of you there. Um, And without further ado, let's bring in the coach, Harvey Hyde. What's up, coach? How you doing? Ryan, it's great to be on today, and uh, I know you had a big week uh, up in uh, Eugene and Portland and all of that above, uh, all of the recruiting and evaluation of players and all the five-star players you got to see, and two commits up there for USC. Yeah, it's a pretty big uh, week up there at the opening. We'll have a lot of uh, highlights and stuff going up on uscfootball.com, you know, Trayvon Sidney. Uh, the wide receiver who was one of the best receivers I saw there. He committed to USC. CJ Pollard, who's a, you know, legacy. Uh, his dad played at SC. Big safety out of Sarah. So a lot of, uh, good news for USC fans up at the opening. A lot of targets up there. We'll have tons more coverage going up on uscfootball.com. Before we jump into the, the show, I just wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. SCTickets.com is the website or you can give them a call at 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for it's the all-star break now. If you want to go to Dodgers Angels games later on, any games across the country, go to sctickets.com and they will hook you up. And, uh, coach, I wanted to, um, the, well, I wanted to let people know because we've changed the format. We've had a lot of positive feedback on having like the multiple shows per week. Uh, we did have uh, one guy actually write in. He kind of liked the, the longer show. So there was one, but really he was the only person. And, and so hopefully, uh, most people seem to like it and uh, I'm glad that they do. Uh, but, the, to download the podcast, we are on iTunes. Um, you can download it. We have an RSS feed with a company called Audio Boom. Uh, if you have your mobile phone and you have an app, you can download an app for Audio Boom and you can subscribe to the Peristyle podcast there and listen to it. We're also on Stitcher Radio. There's an app for that. Um, I, I downloaded one recently, Coach, called Podcast Addict, where you can just search for Peristyle podcast. It co- comes up and you can download the, the, the episodes to your phone automatically. So there's a lot of different ways. If you're used to just downloading it from our website, um, you can do it from your your phone and different devices and stuff. So there's a lot of different ways to kind of digest the show now, Coach. So we've we've been changing things up a little bit. You know, trying to get with the times. That you know, as podcast uh, technology is changing, and I don't know how much you listen to the podcast out there, Coach. But I'm, I'm starting to listen to some myself, and it's kind of fun doing it on your phone and play it in your car and stuff like that. Well, I tell you, I haven't got to all that yet. Uh, I'm just uh, now getting the tweeting, as the people do, that uh, know that if they follow me and you. And uh, I just, when I listen to it, if I do listen to it, I know what it's going to say, but we do it, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, 
I don't have a reason to listen to it, but I would listen to it right on the, my computer. I think that's the easiest way of doing it. That's why I listen to all the other things and watch all the other things that you have on there. So I'll just stick to what I'm doing, but it's working, okay? Yeah. And, uh, and so if, if anyone has any trouble, just email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. But I know some people like to download it directly to their computer and play it, or they would download their computer and then move it to their their iPod or move it to their MP3 player. If you have an Apple device, it's easy with iTunes because you just, you know, it's part of Apple. Um, but all the Android devices and stuff like that too, you can, you know, have it point to the iTunes feed for our show and you can download the episodes automatically. So there's a lot of easy ways to, to access it. And people talk about it all the time, coach. They go to the gym. Uh, they're, you know, running on the treadmill and they want to listen to it on their phone or their, their iPod or whatever it is. And I started doing this recently with my car. So I would, you know, have it connected to Bluetooth, my phone to my car, and then you switch it over and I start listening to the podcast right in my car. So I'm starting to do that a little bit more now. And coach, that's where our first, uh, topic is going to come from because, uh, my buddy Bruce Feldman and, uh, Stuart Mandel, they run a, a podcast for Fox Sports called The Audible. So it's more of a national college football show and just listen to their most recent segment. It was about the uh, most underachieving programs of all time. And two Pac-12 schools. Of all time? Uh, of all time. For college football. So who are the okay. most underachieving programs? Uh, ASU was in the top, you know, the top five, but UCLA was their number one underachieving program of all time, mostly because of the, you know, the environment, uh, you know, being in the biggest city in Los Angeles, the, the talent pool here, you know, only, you know, going to one Rose Bowl or something like in the last 30 years and, you know, winning one and winning one national championship over the years. They felt like the program with that much going for it with the weather and the location and a, and a globally known brand like UCLA, all the success in basketball, all the talent here in Southern California, they felt that they should have, you know, more than one national title and the last one being in the 50s and the last Rose Bowl win being in the 80s. And you play in the Rose Bowl as your home stadium. So that was kind of their argument. I don't know if you agree with that, Coach, or what you think about as far as underachieving programs go in college football. Well, you know, it's interesting. I had a discussion with somebody about not this topic specifically, but about winning and how you win and where it all starts. Was This young man was talking about uh, possibly being a head football coach in a major uh, college. And, and I told him, you'd be very careful on what college you you uh, select or you interview for or you uh, work for. Why? Because uh, it isn't by accident that UCLA hasn't been uh, successful. It's by almost design. What I mean by that now when I'm trying to explain this to people, it all starts at the top. It starts with the chancellor. It starts with the regents. Do they want football? Do they really want to win? That's the first question I'd want to find out before I ever took a college football job, or are they what I call pretenders? They want to satisfy the alumni. They want to satisfy everybody uh, so nobody can complain. Probably their best dream would be six and six, uh, seven and five on a good year, so the alumni really can't say too much. Go to a minor bowl, but uh, don't get the faculty upset because uh, we're emphasizing athletics too much. And I think UCLA went through that stage. I really believe that. I believe that they went through a stage where academics really wasn't, or not academics, athletics wasn't really that big a deal. And uh, some of the type of student-athletes they needed as far as to be very successful 
They denied admission. Uh, they didn't really give the facilities. Look at the facilities, how far their football facilities are back. It's like a Pop Warner field as far as what they utilize. I don't even think it's 100 yards long. Is it right? I think it's 80 yards <laughs> long. Am I correct? I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so let's look at this, and let's really look at the, how a major university can be so far behind as far as the weight rooms. Uh, they just fixed up Poly Pavilion again. How they can be so miles behind other universities when they all receive about the same income. So it's uh, it's not just the football program's fault. I think it's the university's fault as far as the chancellor, the president, the, the guys that are make it all happen. They have to say this is important for our alumni. This is important for our schools. This increases our popularity and notoriety and writing about us. We get good students and the morale's great on campus and everybody can't wait to show up at the game and tailgate. It all comes from that. But we get some guys sometimes that are leaders that, you know, when the battle's going on, they're up on a, a hill four miles away with binoculars trying to check to see how everybody's doing. They don't have the courage to make the decisions that are necessary to have this, and maybe you'll get a little bit of problems from faculty or others that were overemphasizing football. But, uh, you know, that's just one side of it. So, you know, yes, UCLA has not been what it should have been. I agree 100% with what they're saying. But let's don't just blame it on the football program. Let's blame it on the whole setup from the way that coaches have been treated. I mean, when I go back and think away the way they fired Bob Polito, UCLA, I mean, I, I don't want to bring up bad memories. But, yeah, coaches remember these type of things, okay? When they fired him, they said, you don't need to go into your office. They banded him from the office. They mailed him. They mailed him and shipped him all his stuff that was in the office. They didn't let him go to the football banquet. He didn't even get to speak with his team, and they got an interim coach to coach the bowl game. That's really classy, isn't it? <laughs> how, would he, how would you want to go coach at that school and work for that type of leadership? Well, you know, due to popular demand, uh, after a while they, you figure out that we better change things around here or I'm going to go. So uh, I think now they've gone through a change. Uh, Jim Moore has come in, Rick Neuheisel. I like Rick. Don't get me wrong. But his hands were tied. I mean, he won't come out and say this, but I'll say it for him. His hands were tied. I mean, how would you like to play with handcuffs on? And that's exactly what UCLA has said. Now, Jim Moore is a no-nonsense guy. He's not going to put up with that. He's going to tell him, hey, I don't have to coach here. I'll see you, and I'll tell everybody why I'm leaving. So he's been able to now pay his coaches more. He's gotten uh, deals in his contract as far as new facilities, and they're starting to move on that direction. Uh, and he's getting out of recruiting. And, hey, he's had great recruiting classes. And I'm going to tell you, he's a force right now. I mean, he's beaten SC three years in a row. So he is after everybody's you-know-what. When you light up to play Jim Moore, they play with an attitude now, UCLA. So in the past, it wasn't just a football program. It was the entire leadership of the college. And I'm sorry I rambled on, but I want people to understand that. 
No, I agree with you, Coach. And it's a, definitely a program. I mean, USC fans don't want to see it, but it's a program that seems to have more consistent success, you know, winning nine, at least nine games the last few years and, um, you know, winning 10 games. They're doing a lot of good stuff there. And, you know, as you said, beating USC three years in a row. That was USC sanctioned years, and we'll see what happens kind of going forward. But um, will they be able to keep that level of success? And and we've seen other programs. They mentioned a, a team like Georgia that wins 10, 11, 12 games every year, but they're never to break. They can't break through and get over the top and win a championship. So uh, I think if, if UCLA can get back to going to Rose Bowls again, um, then you could call that. I don't think you have to say you have to win a national championship. The lack of really going to the Rose Bowl to me is the biggest uh, underachievement that they've made. Like you have to be able to, to make that game and win the Pac-12 and go to the Rose Bowl at least every once in a while. They just haven't done that. But a, a team like Georgia, same thing. They've only won two SEC titles in the last like 33 years. For that much talent that they have in Georgia and, and so many guys they put in the NFL, you have to have more success than that. Well, yeah, that's what it's all about today. You can't win enough. And uh, uh, if you win 11 games and you don't, uh, you know, I've always told guys, you know, you're going to spoil the media. You're going to spoil the the uh, university when you, you win too many games early and you don't go all the way because they want to go all the way and they think it's so easy. You know, everybody's trying to win. Hey, Oregon's not a bad football team. Stanford hadn't been a bad football team. Uh, FC hadn't been a bad football team. Arizona State, uh, there's nobody in the Pac-12 right now you're going to say you're going to beat next year for sure. Oh, that's a win for sure. You might think you're supposed to beat them, but you tell me it's for sure, please. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jim Moore is going to get them back. They're tough right now. He's just got to get to the next level, and it's one step at a time. First of all, win the Pac-12 South, okay? Then win the championship game in the Pac-12. Then get a shot at one of the semifinal games. Then you got a chance at a national championship. Everybody's trying to do that. So it's not just UCLA or SC. It's everybody trying to do that. So uh, it's not as easy as what it used to be because the big boys are playing with the big boys now. And uh, the guys that have the administrative support, they have the financial money now. But now it's what can you do to help us get to that level? Because everybody's trying to. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago, Coach, where the you know Texas, USC, Alabama were all pretty terrible. It's hard to imagine that now. But the big boys have risen to the top, and the expectations are high. So there's a lot more money in, in college football now. A lot more, uh, you know, assistant coaches getting paid. Everything's uh, you know out in the open. So. It'll be interesting to see what happens with UCLA and teams like Georgia and Arizona State going forward if they're able to get to that next level. Uh, of success. Well, let's go to uh, Paul in Vegas. He was following up on a uh, topic we had about uh, the the kind of offense that USC runs, and I was talking about for a team, but you know, when you have more talent, I'd like to see them run more plays because the more plays you run, the, the more you can take advantage of that talent advantage. And he said, so he's a follow-up on that about the hurry-up offense and Ryan's observation that you have superior players. The more plays, the better. This ties uh, into probability uh probability studies and gambling whichever side has an edge the more plays the more that advantage shows itself ryan obviously knows a little bit about las vegas i love las vegas uh paul uh but but taking that hurry up one step further if we can double the number of plays on all sides of the ball 
and rotate flush p- fresh players of equal talent or almost equal, like SC will soon be able to do, that should also give us a big advantage against lesser talented teams. Yes or no? I always thought a team like Alabama should be using their depth in a similar fashion. Paul in Las Vegas. Well, Paul, um, this is my master's dissertation, okay? <laughs> uh, I'll try to remember some of the things uh, that your main points were on. And, Paul, thank you very much for uh, sending in questions to us. Yeah, uh, it makes sense that if you are a better football team, the more turns you have on the offensive side of the ball, it makes sense. The less times you have on the defensive ball side of the ball, it makes better sense, not the more times, the less times. Because if you're in three plays and out, then your offense has the ball. So what you want to try to accomplish is uh, have a defense that can stop people, not slow people down, but dominate on the defensive side of the football, allowing your offense field position where they could take advantage of the field position and they don't have to drive 80 yards for a touchdown play uh, to score. So sometimes it is the number of plays, depending on how far you have to go. But if you get great field position, then you don't, you may not have to run as many plays and you're able to uh, score quickly and uh, get the ball in the end zone. So it's a combination of uh, both sides and a philosophy that you try to carry to, to make it happen. Obviously, you know, and I'll say it uh, as bluntly as I can, you get me the uh, great players and uh, I'll coach the whole team. I don't need any position coaches or anything. I'll tell those guys, just go take a vacation and I'll coach the whole team because I got better players. So if you have better players, and the main thing is to put them into a position where they can be successful. There's such a thing as running plays too fast, as you know, because you're not communicating with your team as far as giving them enough time to recognize the defenses and so on, and you and you hurry up yourself and you don't feel comfortable and you don't get it done. There's a rhythm you want to get into, run and pass, that you're operating at what your potential highest proficiency, uh, say, uh, rate would be. Some teams it's a, a faster pace. Some teams maybe it's a slower pace. You take Ohio State now. They're not quite a higher-paced offensive team, but they dominate because what they do, they do right, and they have better players. Well, I think that's what you all have to look at when you put your philosophy together and what you're going to do. But, Paul, I, I have to agree, they have better players now than they've ever had before For during this era of transition. They are going to play more players, I believe. Uh, I think they have too many players at certain positions. I really don't know how they're going to play all those players because players don't want to redshirt anymore, which uh, well, used to be a very, very popular thing to do, but you used to graduate from college early and also have still – additional time to get a master's degree or whatever. Players don't want to, great players don't want to redshirt. They want to get to the NFL. So uh, that's a problem sometimes you have, too, is too many great players at one position. You want to have depth everywhere, and you want to be able to play them at a point of where, like you always hear me say, Dory Jackson's a great player. He'd play every down on both sides of the football, Okay but you've got to limit just what certain players do so they can be better at what they do. And I think that's the number one thing you have to accomplish. you got to have team morale. If you don't have team morale, I don't care how many great players you have. You ain't going to get it done. 
All right, Paul, you should definitely come by. Uh, what is it? Uh, Terrible's Casino, Coach? Is that where you usually hang out and do your show? So, well, no. Uh, I go by uh, Jerry's Nugget. That's in North uh, Las Vegas. North Las Vegas. Okay. I do a show up there, and then, then I do one at Big Dogs. Uh, it's a restaurant in Vegas. And uh, Terrible is now called Silver Sevens, and I'll be doing a segment there every uh, Tuesday and Wednesday night at 6, oh, Thursday night, excuse me, at 6 p.m. And we'll be talking odds on, on football games with uh, uh, one of the uh, uh, guys that know football there. And uh, in my in my fall schedule, I, I do all kinds of different segments with different people on my Vegas stations. And, you know, what I'm going to do, too, uh, Ryan, uh, I'm going to start here uh, within a couple of weeks uh, tweeting out things that I've uh, – some of my feelings on teams that are underranked this year, or teams that should be better than what people expect them to be in most of the conferences, Pac-12, Mountain West Conference, Big Ten, all of that, uh, as far as, you know, this could be a surprise team this year, uh, teams that are, are, I think, ranked too high, all of these different type of things. was uh, I think that brings a lot of interest. So, you know, if you want to follow me, if you're not following me, it's at Coach Harvey Hyde, at Coach Harvey Hyde. And it's a lot of fun. But during the games, too, Ryan, excuse me for taking this period, during the games I tweet out the SC games after every quarter what I think they've done well, what I think they need to do as far as during that football game. So uh, it's fun, and I like doing that, and I've learned how to do it now. And I just want to tell people, get ready for it. Yeah, for sure. And then, so Paul, if you, or anyone else, if you're in Las Vegas, uh, follow at Coach Harvey Hyde. You can see where he is when he's doing his various shows and, uh, check him out. It'd be fun to, uh, you can talk to him and say hello. It'd be a lot of fun. Um, let's go to Melvin, coach. He says, my personal assessment of the team so far as we go into fall camp is that the question marks as to quality and depth would be, he said, A, running back, B, tight end, and C, he said, defensive line. Do you agree or disagree with that? Well, I think you got the three uh, areas. Uh, how you rank them uh, depends on how you feel and how they're utilized. I think, you know, you can, uh, if you're not going to run your running backs uh, very much, then how are you undermanned? But you've got two or three pretty good backs. Now, if you're going to utilize your running backs and they're a big part of your offense in the running game, then, yeah, we got to get our running backs sort of tuned up and ready to pound the rock and ready to run 20 times a game and be tough and fall forward and don't be afraid to run the ball when it's fourth and one or third and two or wherever you might be on the field. So it's part of a philosophy on what you need as far as what you plan on doing. Now, if you're planning on throwing the ball to the tight end a lot, utilizing him in blocking, and uh, that form of what a tight end is used for, yes, you might say you don't have experience there, but as much as they've used the tight end over the last two or three years, I would say you're you're okay because you really haven't utilized your tight end. What have you, what have you utilized your tight end? They catch about 10 balls a year. Uh, maybe maybe 15. I don't have the stats in front of me, but you know they don't they don't catch the ball a lot, and they don't hell block a lot either, because they're they're not inside blocking a lot, and they put them in there and they ask them to pass block a lot, and hell they're out man. I'd put a tackle in there first, and they don't get that type. They're not big. They're not huge. They're not blockers. 
So they've got tweeners as far as their tight ends are concerned. Taller, thinner guys, uh, guys that are more or less like to have been recruited for receivers first and then a blocking type of tight end. Then you look at the defensive line and you say, well, how are you going to utilize the defensive line? Are you going to stand in there and just hit and read, hit the gaps, not help them with any type of blitzes or do anything? Yeah, I'd say, you know, depending how you utilize them is how strong you're going to be. If you're going to help them along with a lot of linebacker stunts and different things, I don't know, maybe those guys can get it done and they won't be on outman. But if you're going to sit in there and slug it out, I don't think you can sit in there and slug it out. I think you've got to move around. You've got to be quick. You've got to rotate a lot in there. You've got to get your young players in there. And you've got to do things to help the defensive line. So, yeah, those three areas you talked about are all concerns. But they're only concerns on what you do with them and how you put them in a certain position to be successful and believe that you're going to utilize them and know what they can do and what they can't do. And don't ask them to do something they can't do. That's part of coaching and teaching. All right, Coach, we got one last one from Tarek. He said, Jabari Ruffin was the projected starter at Sam Linebacker last year before he tore his ACL and Sua Cravens took his place. Now that he is back to full health, do you see him getting a look at Sam that will allow Sua Cravens to play strong safety and help us uh, on the back end where we were beat far too many times last year? That's from Tarek. Well, let me tell you, I don't think, you know, what I think and what they're going to do, I, I don't know. Uh, Cravens, I think, going to be alive. They're going to change him. They're, they've they've uh, bought into that where he's playing. Uh, I've talked about him being a safety all along. Uh, now they have, maybe they didn't have the players last year to do that, and I don't think they did, so they played in the right place. Made some great plays, believe me. Thank God he was there. Uh I can see him now intercepting passes and recovering fumbles and getting to the quarterback. He's a sure tackler. He didn't miss a tackle. But, you know, depending on how these young freshman guys come along as far as defensive ends and outside linebackers, I think that'll make it different. But I don't think he'll start off there, and I don't think they'll think of that until they see exactly how the secondary plays. I think the secondary has played well in the spring. I think the secondary has played well. In summer workouts, I think that's one one of the strengths of the team. I really do. Seymour came along. They've got good safety play going on. They've got safeties. They've got corners. they got really as many players or more players than what they really need in the secondary. So I, I don't see them moving Craven unless somebody is so dominant, a new player coming in, and the secondary needs help at a safety position them doing it that's the way i feel yeah i agree with the coach ben and uh we talked to jabari a little bit and it sounds like he's gonna probably move and play rush end now um and yeah there's no stuart cravens is sticking where he is there's no uh, plan right now to move him around and i think they feel better about the depth in the secondary with the, the recruiting class that they have coming in and um you know moving guys around and uh we're seeing leon mcquay play more corner this summer uh seeing chris hawkins play more safety uh, Marvell tells big looking kid. He looks good. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, options I think they have, but at this point, coach, I don't think you're going to see Cravens move unless something, you know, changes drastically. I agree a hundred percent. I, I think they get set in their mind and what they're doing and that's what they stay. And I think that's one thing too. 
they got to have is a little flexibility, too, on the defensive side as far as being a little bit more aggressive. All right. Well, Coach, great stuff. We appreciate you coming on and uh, chatting about USC football. There's still lots of topics to discuss as the weeks keep ticking by and we're getting closer to fall camp, but, of course, the 2015 season. But thanks again, Coach. Appreciate it. Ryan, thank you, and thank all of our listeners. I want to thank all of you out there because without you, we don't have a show. And uh, we just try to answer them honestly, and that's, of course, just our opinion. I'm sure you have your opinions, too. And uh, we all look for the same goal, and that's winning. So uh, whatever it takes to win, just get it done, baby. Just win, baby. That's uh, some, a smart football man once said that, or at least he used to be a smart football man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you what, he was a detailed guy, too. I'm telling you, very detailed. He was a little shady at times, but I'm going to tell you what, he knew what was going on. All right. Well, thanks again, Coach, and you've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time, and here's our message from our sponsor, sctickets.com. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.